Okay. So let's answer Elise's questions. What did we learn about last week? Oh, is that yeah? Okay. That's the subject. Okay. Give me more. Is it like we? You guys talk about Jacob at all? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Who's Jacob? I didn't want to say that because I couldn't remember if that was this week or Tuesday. <laughs> That'd be kind of confusing because you probably are learning about Jacob on Tuesday at some point uh, as well. A man, and he worked for another man because, well, he stole his brother's blessing. Okay. So he ran away. Who was his brother? Esau. 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 Who was his father? Um. Yes. He has a Isaac. <laughs> it was Isaac. Okay, and who's Isaac's father? Abraham. Abraham. Oh, I knew that one. Okay. <laughs> Alright, so we've got the context now who this guy Jacob is. He did. Oh, yeah. You guys probably talked about that he's, last he week. He was like out of place and so now he's like wobbly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so what does the significance of Jacob and him wrestling with God have to do with Hosea? Because oh, he pinned him down, and then he he's like, "Let me go." For God and wanted to learn about God. Yeah. A little bit. Uh, so it has more to do with the, the fact that Israel was rebelling at this time, and God is wrestling with them to come back. All right, that's that was the kind of the symbol, the gist of the story last week. All right, uh, yes, <clears throat> the struggle was so great that at the end, Jacob just wanted bless his blessing. His goal wasn't to win anymore. All right, it was just to say, yeah, I want your blessing, kind of thing. So that's kind of what you guys talked about last week. Uh, what's the context of Hosea in general? Um. Is a prophet. Ooh, ooh. Sorry. <laughs> Veggie tail slips out every now and then. Um, he lives. Which kingdom? So you're talking about two kingdoms, right? Two kingdoms. Oh, we have the good one and the bad one. Well, kind of. Uh, right? They're both kind of bad. Yeah, they're both yeah. kind of bad. So there's the southern and the northern. Mm -hmm. One of them okay. had all bad kings, Judah and one and of them had a good king, and then a bad king, and then a good king, and then a bad king. Is it Judah and Ephraim, or Judah and Ephraim the same? Uh, Israel, Ephraim, I'm going to start at home. Um, so the northern is sometimes called Israel or Ephraim. That's because Ephraim was its largest tribe. And then the southern kingdom is called Judah because Judah was its largest tribe. Um, and which one is Hosea from? That point was not to either kingdom. Is he from northern? Hosea is from the northern kingdom. That's what I meant. All right. Correct. The northern one is the one that has a lot more trouble. Oh, so I would have been wrong anyway. Um, so, and what is Hosea warning them of? Judgment. Okay. Bye. Yes, through. Be captured by the Assyrians, right? 
Assyrians is the word I was looking for. Judgment by the Assyrians. All right, the Assyrians are coming and uh, they're gonna do some pretty awful, terrible things because what? Because Israel has been Oh, bad. I'm looking for a very specific word. Disobedient. Uh, I'm looking for unfaithful, right? <laughs> oh, we're getting, the wheels are turning. We're, we know what we're talking about. Yes, okay, who's Hosea's wife? Gomer. Gomer, very good. And what was her occupation? She was a harlot. Okay. So she was unfaithful to Hosea, and that's kind of the symbol here, right? <clears throat> so uh, we are going to finish up Hosea today, um, but here's kind of what I want you to think about. Based on everything that we've learned so far about Hosea, how do you predict this book is going to end? with the Assyrians. <clears throat> Anybody else want to throw a prediction up? There is a sudden turn and they start to let God again and they don't. I think that um, God is just going to wipe them out. Okay. Like he did like Sodom and Gomorrah. Oh, yeah. there's actually mentions of Sodom and Gomorrah in the end of this, by the way. Uh, wipe, wipe them out. Okay. Let's see. Um, turn to Hosea chapter 13, verse 1. And start reading, Phoebe. When Ephraim spake, trembling, he exalted himself in Israel. But when he offended in Baal, he died. And now they say more and more and have made them molten images of their silver and according to their own understanding of all of it, the work of the craftsmen, they say of them, let the men that sacrifice kiss the calves. Therefore they shall be as the morning cloud, and as the early dew that passeth away, as the chaff that is driven with the whirlwind out of the floor, and as the smoke out of the chimney. Yet I am the Lord thy God from thy land of Egypt, and thou shalt know no God from, but me, for there is no Savior beside me. <clears throat> I did know thee in the wilderness, in the land of great drought. When they had passed you, they became satisfied. They were satisfied, and their hearts became proud. Therefore they forgot me. Therefore will I be unto them as a lion, as a leopard, by the way, while I observe them. I will meet them as a bear, that is, bear. Bereaved. Bereaved of her wealth, and will rent the cow of their heart, and there will I devour them like a lion. 
The wild beast shall terrify. Okay. Uh, so we start our lesson today uh, in much the same theme as the majority of the book, right? Judgment is coming. This is what's going to happen because of the unfaithfulness of Israel. Um, this set of verses reminds us of a few things, okay? Uh, it reminds us of number one. God's judgment is righteous, okay? Thank you for that. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely did not pass spelling. <laughs> All right. Um, so. See uh, verses 1 through 3 for this. Uh, Israel has been unfaithful and, with their worship by you know, worshiping idols. So that's the reason this is happening. Uh, reminder number two is human nature. What's the human nature reminder in this? Can you find it? What I'm referring to is it's easy to call out to God when times are tough, right? And it's also easy to be grateful like, oh, my prayers were answered. But it's human nature to quickly forget when times are good, right? If you recall right now in the Northern Kingdom, things are going pretty well. There's financial success. And so people don't really have a need to call out to God. And so we have to be careful of the human nature to say we always need to worship God. We always need to have this relationship even when times are good. Alright? And then this third one, God will not be forgotten. Uh... It's a little difficult to understand, but this image here that the Bible uses is actually kind of one of my favorites. Like I read it, I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. Uh, so another translation says there in verse 8, I will meet them like a bear deprived of her cubs, and I will tear open their rib cage, and there I will devour them like a lion. All right, that's kind of what that means. Uh, and I think that image is intense, right? This should be a pretty strong and explicit reminder to us. Do not forget the Lord, all right? Whether in hard times or, or good times, because he'll remind you that he's there, all right? Like a bear after her cubs. Uh, let's keep reading Hosea chapter 13, verse 9. And after 9, we're going to skip ahead to verse 14. Destroyed thyself, but in me is thine help. Verse 14. I will ransom them from the power of the grave. I will redeem them from death. O death, I will be thy plagues. O grave, I will be thy destruction. Repentance shall be hid from mine eyes. Though he be fruitful among his brethren, an east wind shall come, the wind of the Lord shall come up from the wilderness, and his spring shall become dry, and his fountain shall be dried up, and he shall spoil the grave. <coughs> Of all the pleasant vessels. Samaria shall become desolate, for she hath failed against her God. It shall fall by the sword. Her infant shall be dashed in pieces, and the remembrance of the child shall be. Okay. Whoa. 
let's take a moment to just think about how intense some of what is saying being said here, right? This is these are things that happened or you know were predicted to happen to Israel when the Assyrians come. Uh, and at the same time, there's prophecy here. Okay, so these verses, because of that, are a tad difficult to understand, which is why I'm focusing in on them. Uh, at face value, it seems like God kind of can't make up his mind. Will he redeem Israel, right? He talks about, O death, I will be thy plague. O grave, I will be thy destruction. Uh, or will he destroy Israel in, you know, with all of the imagery that he uses, all of the situations that he calls out? The answer is both things, okay? Uh, the words here are dark, strong, and powerful, uh, but we know, we know that the Assyrians came, right? That's a fact. So, God justly judged Israel by sending the Assyrians, but we also know that God redeemed Israel uh, and everyone else who believes by sending his son Jesus. So Jesus is this conquering of death when he rose from the dead. Uh, you've heard of the verses that say, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? Right? You've heard of those. Uh, that is actually Paul quoting Hosea here. Right? It's a callback from the New Testament to the Old, and it's a purposeful quote, right? Uh, it helps us understand that this uh, is absolutely a prophecy of Christ. So, both things are true. The judgment and the redemption are both happening, and that's why it kind of switches back and forth, even in the same verse. Like, it's talking about good things and then bad things, uh, and that's kind of just the nature of prophecy, right? Sometimes we're looking at, at prophecy from too far off, and the events look like they all line up, but as we travel through time, uh, you can say, oh, that was that event there, and then, oh, there's the next verse as we travel through time, and we have a little bit better scope of time on this particular prophecy, because we know that Jesus came and did the redeeming, and we know that the Assyrians were the, the bad portion. Uh, let's keep going. Uh... Hosea chapter 14, verse 1. In this final chapter of Hosea, we have a tonal shift, all right? Uh, we're going to start fully focusing on the nature of this redemption that we just kind of mentioned. Uh, and while you do it, I want you to think back to what happened earlier in the book between Hosea and Gomer, okay? So let's pick it up. Hosea chapter 14, verse 1. Israel, return to the Lord your God, for you have stumbled in your iniquity. Take with your words and turn to the Lord. Say unto him, Take away all of the iniquity and receive us graciously. So will we render the calves of our lives. Assure shall not save us. We will not ride upon horses, neither will we say any more to the work of our hands. Yea, are our gods, for in thee the fatherness findeth mercy. Okay. So far, uh, as we've been going through Hosea, we've talked a lot about uh, Hosea and Gomer and the example that they are for God and Israel. Right? But now I want you to turn that focus as we finish up to the relationship between God and us. Okay? Israel is a symbol for you and me. Right? This whole time, that's what we can take away from it. Uh, so when we've fallen from God, we know what the consequences are, but also we know how to approach that. Right? 
Uh, and here we are at the end of the book, so now it's time to return to God. Uh, and the book gives us a short little lesson on how to do it, okay? Just in these three verses, we got our lesson. Uh, lesson portion number one is take your words with you. What do you think that means? You're going to God. You're going to ask forgiveness. You're returning to him. You need to take your words with you. It means talk to him. All right. <laughs> it's pretty simple. Okay. When you go to God, it's important that we come prepared to talk. Okay. God gave us the ability to communicate with words uh, for so many reasons, and this is one of them. Okay. Sure, there are times when it is good to just be silent and to rest in the peace in, in God's presence. But when we need forgiveness, we need to come ready to articulate and talk about that, right? So the next thing is, what do we say? Uh, take away iniquity is the next portion of our lesson. What's iniquity? Sin. Good. All right. So this portion here reminds us that we need to acknowledge our sin. We're going to say, this is what I did. All right. And we need to acknowledge that God is giving us something that we don't deserve. That's the grace portion. Okay. We don't deserve God's forgiveness. So we need to say, I've sinned and that my only option, my only way to deal with that is to come to you, God. All right. What does it mean by that calves word? Calves of your lips. Render the calves of your lips. not easy. That's why we're talking about it. <laughs> uh, other translations here say, may say, that we offer up the sacrifice of our lips, okay? So calves, bulls, sacrifice, that's kind of the connotation that we're thinking about. So this here is a reminder that, you know, we're, we're admitting that we've done wrong and we know that somebody needs to pay for it, but it's kind of difficult because we got this word calves and it doesn't seem to, like it's going to fit. So the other reminder here is it doesn't matter like how nice you say what you need to say, right? God doesn't expect you to be flowery or uh, eloquent in your speech when you're talking to him. You can just use whatever words you have, whatever comes to mind, all right? And God will understand. But the importance is you need to take your words with you. So don't worry about, oh, what if I don't say this right or whatnot? God understands, okay? So uh, just talk. The fourth reminder, the fourth portion of our lesson here is... We need to renounce the work of our hands. What do you think this means? Stop. Uh, worshiping. Yep, 
absolutely, right? So it, it's kind of multifaceted, but that's certainly a portion of it. Uh, when we come to God, we need to say openly and plainly that uh, we can't do it on our own. We're not good enough. And the portion that you mentioned, Gideon, is there's nothing out there in the world that can save me from the situation that I'm in, that can keep me from sin, all right? We have to go and say the only thing that can do it is your help, God, right? We need to put down and say everything else that I'm doing is not even important in comparison to the conversation we're having right now. And the last one here, is it the last one? Uh, The fatherless find mercy, all right? Uh, lastly, when we come to God, we need to praise him all right, and declare his greatness because of what he did. We are saved and we know that we don't deserve it. right? There's nothing that we did to earn it. There's nothing that you can do to earn it. Uh, but he loves us so much that he died for us anyway. And we need to acknowledge that. right? So these are all the things that you need to say when you're coming to ask forgiveness from God, all right? This is the best way to say, I'm sorry, I, you know, I'm ready to turn back to you and fix my unfaithfulness. So, if we do all of these things, God promises to forgive us and heal us, much like he promises the same for Israel. Let's see what he says about Israel. Uh, pick it back up, Hosea chapter 14, verse 4. I will heal their backsliding. I will love them freely, for my anger is turned away from him. I will be as the dew unto Israel, who shall grow as the lily and cast forth his roots as Lebanon. His branches shall spread, and his beauty shall be as the olive tree, and his smell as Lebanon. They that dwell under his shadow shall return, they will revive as the corn and grow as the vine. The sun therefore shall be as the one of the why should I have anything more to do? It is to answer and watch over him. I am like a flourishing pine tree. Your fruit comes from me. All right. Uh, so, if we do these things, God promises to accept us back, right? He's always going to forgive us when we ask. And all of these things that he took away from us uh, as judgment, and rightly so, he's going to restore, right? So we've got some promises that are for Israel, but also for us. Uh, Promise number one, he's gonna heal us. Okay, Uh, think about the word heal here. It's more than just forgiveness uh, for what we've done wrong. It's a promise to give us the strength and the knowledge to overcome our human nature, uh, to avoid our sinful tendencies in the future, right? When you pray and ask for forgiveness, this is something you should always pray for. Give me the strength to not do this again, all right? Uh, Number two, he promises to restore our growth, okay? He promises to restore our growth uh, as the dew on the flower. All right, that's the reference from the verse there. He promises to restore our beauty. All right, like the lily from the verses. All right, he restores our strength. 
by, by giving us deep roots like the trees from the verses, all right? He promises to restore our value, all right? He talks about an olive tree, the, you know, one of the most high value things at the time was olive oil, okay? Uh, he promises to restore our delight, okay? Think about this as like your pleasure in life. Uh, this is symboled by the fragrances of Lebanon, all right? Those wonderful smelling cedar trees. He promises to restore our abundance. What's abundance? Having more than you need, all right? Uh, so this is symboled by the grain and the fruits returning uh, to those trees. And then eight, he promises that our branches will spread. What does that mean? Uh, essentially, it means that your blessings will affect more than just you, okay? Right? It'll affect the people around you, and all of these growth, beauty, strength, value, delight, abundance will spill out of you, and, you know, you'll affect your family or your friends or whomever else is around you uh, because you are now doing the right thing. Let's finish it up. Whoever's next, read the last verse for me. Who is wise, and who shall understand these things? And he shall know them, for the ways of the Lord are right, and the just shall walk in them. But the transgressors shall fail therein. All right. Uh, so there you have it. Do you want to be wise? Yeah. That's a good goal in life. Uh, do you want to be prudent? You know what prudent means? Anybody define it? Prudence is like uh, well-advised, like full of forethought and thrifty, all combined together. You know what thrifty means? I mean, I think so. Okay. <laughs> thrifty means like uh, you got to plan ahead and, and use your resources appropriately. And you have, you know, you, whatever you have, you use to the best of its ability kind of thing. Difficult not so common used words, right? Uh, so don't you want those things? I assume you do. Uh, the solution is take your words with you. Own your sin. Admit it. Right? Talk to God about it. Uh, we just spent eight weeks now talking about how and why God is planning a judgment for Israel. Right? But we all know that a judgment is also coming for us. Okay? So don't you want to be ready? Talk to God. Confess your sins. Uh, it doesn't have to be fancy. right? You can use the word calves if it makes sense or not. <laughs> uh, tell God that you know I'm not enough. right? Say that to him. Uh, the things of this world are not enough. Thank the Lord for all of his boundless grace and unending mercy. Uh, he is great and mighty indeed, for sure. And most of all, believe. All right? Believe that Christ died for you and know that he is God. So let Hosea and the impending coming of the Assyrians kind of be a warning and a motivation to seek God in your life, right? To know him, to truly know him, uh, have that deep relationship where you can just talk and uh, that pursuit will bring you all of this wisdom and prudence and growth and beauty and strength and value in your life. 
All right. That is the book of Hosea. Thank you very much, guys. Hope you have a great week.